In this recording, we're going to be continuing our discussion about the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles, specifically the issue of when Shabbos begins during the candle lighting process. So we'll look at various opinions and try to pinpoint the exact minute that Shabbos begins. Now it's worth noting by way of introduction that when we light Shabbos candles, so we make a bracha beforehand, which is lahadlik ner shal Shabbos, and then after that we light the Shabbos candles because we always make the bracha on the mitzvah before we do the actual mitzvah. And this is going to become a big part of the issue of when Shabbos begins. But before we get to that detail, it's worth mentioning that it wasn't even clear in the Rishonim that there should be a bracha to begin with. Tosvos on Shabbos Chafhamid Bey's quotes that there were those who held that there is no bracha before lighting the Shabbos candles, and they had two arguments for this. First was that the Gemara calls the obligation to light Shabbos candles a chova, which means an obligation. So it sounds like it's not really a mitzvah. Normally we make a bracha on a mitzvah, but something which is just a chova, an obligation, so then that wouldn't necessitate a bracha beforehand. So based on the way the Gemara defines this obligation as a chova instead of a mitzvah, so these people argue that there should be no bracha before lighting the Shabbos candles. Now Rabbeinu Tam disagreed with this very strongly, and he said that even though the Gemara uses the language of a chova, but it doesn't mean that it's not a mitzvah. It means that it's an obligation of the mitzvah of enjoying Shabbos. In other words, part of our mitzvah of enjoying Shabbos is the obligation of lighting candles beforehand, especially in the olden days when they needed the light in order to be able to see. There was no electricity. But even nowadays when we have electric lights, but the candles still add a certain atmosphere to the home. So as part of the mitzvah of Oneg Shabbos, there's a chova, an obligation to light the Shabbos candles, but that would necessitate a bracha. And Rabbeinu Tam says that there are other examples in the Gemara where it calls something a chova and still there's a bracha beforehand. So that's in terms of argument number one. Their second argument against making a bracha is that if there were already candles lit, so let's say someone happened to light candles on Friday afternoon for whatever reason, and they're sitting there lit, so you don't have to light new candles for Shabbos. So you see that this is not a mitzvah which has to be done actively, meaning the person would have to blow out the lit candles and relight them in order to do the mitzvah. This is just a mitzvah that you need to have lit candles in some way, however they got there, whether you lit them or someone else happened to light them or just the regular combustion happened to light them randomly. However they got lit, it doesn't matter. So long as there's lit candles, you fulfill this obligation. So because of that, we wouldn't make a bracha on it when the action of the mitzvah is not necessary. So again, Rabbeinu Tam disagreed with this, and he said two things. First of all, even if there was no mitzvah to go ahead and relight the candles to do the action of lighting the candles still you would make a bracha. And there's other examples of mitzvahs where the process itself is unimportant, just the end goal is important, and still you make a bracha. And second, says Rabbeinu Tam, it's not even true when it comes to the Shabbos candles. They do need to be lit specifically for the sake of the mitzvah of Shabbos. If there's candles that are just randomly burning there, that's not sufficient. And on a practical level, you would need to blow them out and then relight them. 
So Rabbeinu Tam was a big believer that there is a bracha before lighting the Shabbos candles for all of the reasons that we just mentioned. And many other Rishonim were of the opinion that there's a bracha beforehand. Tosos quotes from Rab Amram. And the Rambam was also of the opinion that there's a bracha beforehand. And the tour concludes that way in the rush. So that's the standard practice to make a bracha before lighting the Shabbos candles. Now there's an interesting addendum to this issue. Based on what we said, so it would be clear that there's a bracha not only on the Shabbos candles, but also on the Yantif candles because they increase the enjoyment of the people while they're eating that night. But the question arises, what about on the Yom Kippur candles? Because there's no meal on Yom Kippur. So the point of the Yom Kippur candles is not in order to enjoy the meal later on, what the Gemara calls Shalom Bayis, to increase the peace in the home so people can see what they're doing. Because on Yom Kippur, they don't do anything. They go to Shalom, then they come home, and they go to sleep. So there's no need to light the Yom Kippur candles in order to enjoy or be able to do things later on that night. The point of the Yom Kippur candles is something totally different, which is one of the prohibitions on Yom Kippur is Tashmish Amita, marital relations. And they were concerned that in a dark room, the couple might come to have relations. So that's why we light candles in order to prevent relations. So if that's the case, maybe there should be no bracha on the Yom Kippur candles. So this is a big issue that the tour mentions in Simon Tafresh Yud and the Beis Yosef and the Bach and the other commentators have a lot to say about this. And basically there's a lot of different opinions. The Mordechai and the Maharil both hold that there's no bracha on the Yom Kippur candles, even though there's a bracha on the Shabbos candles, but that's because of the Oneg Shabbos, the enjoyment of Shabbos. On Yom Kippur, where there's no enjoyment, there's no bracha. But the Rush disagrees with them and he holds that there is a bracha on the Yom Kippur candles, again because of Shalom Bayis, even if there's no meal, but there's still some use to the Yom Kippur candles, so therefore we make a bracha on them. Now we could take this issue even one step further, what happens when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos? So now when we light, it's not only the Yom Kippur candles, but it's also the Shabbos candles. So the simple assumption would be that even those who hold, you don't make a bracha on the Yom Kippur candles, but if Yom Kippur begins on a Friday night, you do make the bracha because these are not only Yom Kippur candles, they're also Shabbos candles. And that's what the Bach quotes from the Drushos Maharash, that it's clear that on Yom Kippur, which is Shabbos, there's a bracha. But interestingly, the Beis Yosef quotes another opinion that even when Yom Kippur's on Shabbos, there's no bracha. And the reason is simple because you're not going to be eating a meal that night. So even though we always make a bracha on the Shabbos candles, but Shabbos, which falls out on Yom Kippur, is the one exception because there's no meal that night. Now, also interestingly, the Bach quotes from the Maharash another reason to make a bracha on Yom Kippur, which falls out on Shabbos. And this I don't fully understand, but he writes, That when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos, there's more of what we call mazikin, these like evil spirits that cause harm. So it seems to be that when Yom Kippur is on a weekday, there's less of these evil spirits. But when Yom Kippur is on a Shabbos, there's more evil spirits. So there's more of a need for the Shabbos and Yom Kippur candles. So therefore we do make a bracha on them. So there seems to be some Kabbalistic reason to distinguish between Yom Kippur during the weekday versus Yom Kippur on Shabbos. Now the conclusion of this discussion is very clear. The Rush and the Tour followed by the Shulchan Arach and the Ramah all rule that one should make a bracha on the Yom Kippur candles, and that's the standard practice. Now, there is one more detail to this discussion because the reasoning of the Yom Kippur candle is to prevent marital relations, which is different than the Shabbos candles, which are in order to allow people to see what they're doing. So we light the Shabbos candles in the dining room where people are going to be eating. 
But the Yom Kippur candles, it would make most sense to light in the bedroom, not in the dining room, because the purpose of the Yom Kippur candles is to prevent something from happening in the bedroom. So what's the point of lighting in the dining room? So in fact, when the Ramah records the halacha of Yom Kippur candles, he does write that it should be in the bedroom, not in the dining room. So that would be a fundamental difference between the Shabbos candles and the Yom Kippur candles where they're lit. On the other hand, the Magen Avram defends the common practice and he quotes that the Mordechai implies that even the Yom Kippur candles should be lit in the dining room. And the Magen Avram, followed by the Mishnah Brura, say that people could rely on that. Ideally, one should try to light the Yom Kippur candles in their bedroom, but the common practice seems to be to light it in the dining room. And that would be sufficient and you can even make a bracha on it according to the Magen Avram and the Mishnah Brura. Now, one final interesting point about this Yom Kippur discussion the Beis Yosef in Simon Tafresh Yod quotes from the Mordechai that you're supposed to set your table on Yom Kippur, just like we set the table for Shabbos. Mishum de'ikri Shabbos Shabbason, because Yom Kippur is called in the Torah like an extra enhanced Shabbos. So since we set the table on Shabbos, we should also set it for Yom Kippur. Now the Beis Yosef asks, I don't know what the point of setting the table on Yom Kippur is. The point of setting the Shabbos table is to eat on it. But on Yom Kippur, when we fast, we don't eat. So what's the point of setting a table just because it's compared to Shabbos? On the other hand, the Ramah in Darkei Moshe, which is his commentary on the Beis Yosef, so he does defend this practice and he says that people should do it. And in his comments in Simon Tafresh Yud, so he writes, that there's a practice to set the table on Yom Kippur like on Shabbos. And the Ramah says that that's the practice. I don't know if this includes just putting out a tablecloth and making the table nice or even putting out plates and silverware as if you're about to eat a meal. But either way, there is some sort of practice of setting the table on Yom Kippur even though we don't eat on it at all in order to mimic what we do for Shabbos because Yom Kippur is an extra special Shabbos. So that's an interesting custom. Now, back to our discussion about the Shabbos candles. So there is a bracha clearly on the Shabbos candles and the general custom is for the wife or the woman of the home to make that bracha on the candles. Now, there's two reasons why women have priority when it comes to this mitzvah over men. The tour in Simen Reish Samech Gimel quotes that the first one is a more Kabbalistic idea. The Medrash says, that women extinguished the light of the world. So that's a reference to the fact that Chava caused Adam to sin. So she brought death to the world. So in order to correct that, women light the Shabbos candles to bring the light of the world back into the world. So it's a corrective to the mistake that the first woman in history made by causing Adam to sin. The second explanation is from the Rambam, and it's a much more practical idea. The Rambam in general was not into mystical ideas, so this makes sense with his general trend. The Rambam says just very simply, because women are the ones that are home, and they generally do the preparation of the home, certainly in the olden days. So it was just simplest for women to be the ones in charge of lighting the Shabbos candles as part of the Shabbos prep, as opposed to the husband who might not get home from work until one minute before Shabbos or whatever it is. He might not have time to prepare for Shabbos and he wouldn't be able to light the candles on a consistent basis. So those are the two explanations. But either way, on a practical level, it's clear that this is a mitzvah which ideally should be done by a woman in the home. If there is no woman in the home, then obviously a man does it. The main thing is for the mitzvah to get done, regardless of who does it. But given the choice between a man and
man and a woman, then a woman should do it. So this is our introductory material. Now we know that there's clearly a bracha on lighting Shabbos candles, and the bracha is made before lighting the candles. Like all mitzvahs, we make the bracha before doing the mitzvah. And we know that this mitzvah is especially connected with women. They're the ones who should make the bracha and light the candles. So now we come to the issue of when does Shabbos begin? And here the Torah quotes a major debate between the Bahag and the other Rishonim. The Bahag held that as soon as someone lights the Shabbos candles, they have immediately accepted Shabbos, so they can no longer do any prohibited work after that. And as a result of this, the Bahag held that Shabbos of Hanukkah, you first need to light the Hanukkah candles and then light the Shabbos candles. Because if you light the Shabbos candles first, then you can no longer light the Hanukkah candles because you've already accepted Shabbos and it's prohibited to go ahead and light the Hanukkah candles. So on a practical level, the Bahag holds that Hanukkah candles get lit before Shabbos candles on Shabbos Hanukkah. And second of all, that every other Shabbos of the year, as soon as someone lights the Shabbos candles, they've already accepted Shabbos. Now, Tosos disagrees with this, and he holds that lighting the Shabbos candles does not begin Shabbos. A person begins Shabbos when they daven mariv. So once they start mentioning Shabbos in their davening, and they're saying the special words for the Shabbos davening, that's when Shabbos begins. But just lighting the candles does not accept Shabbos. So as a result of that, Tosos holds that you should light the Shabbos candles before the Hanukkah candles, because in general, we have a halachic rule that a mitzvah, which is common comes before a less common, a more unusual mitzvah. So the Shabbos candles are obviously more common than the Hanukkah candles. We do them every week. So the Shabbos candles come before the Hanukkah candles. And also in general, the Shabbos candles are more important than the Hanukkah candles because they increase shalom bias. The Shabbos candles bring peace to the home. So therefore the Shabbos candles should be lit before the Hanukkah candles. So now this is a very important debate whether lighting the Shabbos candles is the equivalent of accepting Shabbos. It begins Shabbos or not. And the Beis Yosef quotes that there's a lot of Rishonim that line up on different sides of this issue. The Bahag, as well as the Ran and the Mordechai all hold that lighting Shabbos candles is the equivalent of accepting Shabbos. Versus the Ramban and Tosvos and the Rush and the Rashba, they all hold that lighting Shabbos candles is not the equivalent of accepting Shabbos. And the Rambam doesn't bring up this issue, so he doesn't rule one way or the other, but the Magid Mishnah in his commentary on the Rambam at the end of Hilchus Hanukkah, so he seems to imply that the Rambam probably agrees with the Ramban and Tosvos that lighting Shabbos candles is not accepting Shabbos. And he points out that the Rambam doesn't even believe in the whole concept of Tosefes Shabbos, of adding to Shabbos, which we've discussed in a number of the earlier recordings. So if that's the case, it seems unlikely that the Rambam would hold that lighting the Shabbos candles is the equivalent of accepting Shabbos because that obviously has to be done before the actual time of Shabbos. So this seems to be the dominant view that lighting the Shabbos candles is not accepting Shabbos. And the Beis Yosef quotes a number of later Rishonim who also seem to coalesce around this view. So that seems to be the dominant and the practical halachic view that lighting the Shabbos candles does not mean that Shabbos begins at that moment. So what this would mean is someone can light the Shabbos candles pretty much any time late Friday afternoon. Then they can go about their business. And at some point later on, 
they would accept Shabbos. But lighting the Shabbos candles is really just one of the things we do to prepare for Shabbos. Just like we cook for Shabbos, we clean for Shabbos, we also light the candles at some point during the course of the day. But it does not mean that we're accepting Shabbos at that point. Now, even though that seems to be the consensus of the Halacha, but both the Shulchan Arach and the Ramah in Simen Reish Samach Gimel Sif Yud, both of them suggest that one should be careful for the Bahag's opinion whenever possible. So we should try to treat lighting the Shabbos candles as if we accepted Shabbos. But the Ramah has a major compromise between these two opinions. The Ramah writes that the woman who lights the Shabbos candles accepts Shabbos when she lights. But everyone else in the house the rest of the family does not accept Shabbos until later on at Mariv time. So this is going to be the Ashkenazi practice that the woman who lights accepts Shabbos during the lighting, whereas the rest of the family accepts Shabbos later on. And the Mishaburah points out very importantly that even if a man is lighting, so let's say there's no woman in that house or she can't light that week, so the man is lighting, he still does not accept Shabbos with his lighting. So the whole Ashkenazi practice is only when a woman is lighting candles, she accepts Shabbos. But if a man is lighting the candles, he does not accept Shabbos. And in all cases, the people who didn't light have not accepted Shabbos until later on. So on a practical level, there's going to be a major difference between the Sephardim and the Ashkenazim. Sephardim don't really accept Shabbos, anyone, not the men, not the women, until later on. It's good to be cautious if possible, but that's not the basic halacha. Whereas Ashkenazim are strict for a woman who lit the Shabbos candles that she she accepts Shabbos during her lighting. Now, with regards to the issue of whether to light the Hanukkah candles first or the Shabbos candles first, which as we saw, depends on this whole issue of whether the Shabbos candles begin Shabbos. So the Shulchan Aruch in Simen Tafresh Ayin Tess says that we try to light the Hanukkah candles before the Shabbos candles, which is in line with the Bahag. So we do try to respect the position of the Bahag that once you light Shabbos candles, you can no longer light the Hanukkah candles, even though as we saw, the Ramban holds that it's better to light the Hanukkah candles first. But because we don't want to potentially violate Shabbos according to the Bahag, so we light the Hanukkah candles first. But the Mishnah Brewer points out that since the majority of the Rishonim disagree with the Bahag, and they hold that lighting the Shabbos candles is not accepting Shabbos, so if someone made a mistake and they happened to light the Shabbos candles, they would still light the Hanukkah candles after that. But he adds that for Ashkenazim, that would only be the case if a man lit the candles. But if a woman lit the Shabbos candles, then she should not light the Hanukkah candles because we do treat that as if she accepted Shabbos. So instead, she should find someone else to light the Hanukkah candles for her. So that's how this issue of whether the Shabbos candles begin Shabbos is going to play out in terms of the issue of whether we light the Hanukkah candles first or the Shabbos candles first. Now, let's go to the issue of when the woman makes the bracha when she lights. I've mentioned a few times that we make the bracha before we light in line with other mitzvahs that we make the bracha before we do the mitzvah. But this is actually not so simple. The Ramah in his Darkin Moshe commentary on Simon Reish Samach Gimel Sifkat and Beis, so he quotes a debate between the Mordechai and the Mari Vial when to make the bracha on lighting the candles. The standard halacha would be 
that one should make the bracha before lighting candles, and that's what the Sfardim, based on the Shulchan Aruch, would do. But there is another position that you should make the bracha after lighting the candles. Now, the problem is that brachas always have to be done before doing the mitzvah. So for this, there's a famous solution, which is that the woman covers her eyes so that she doesn't actually benefit or see the light. And then she makes the bracha and then she takes her hands off her eyes and begins to enjoy the candles. So it's a form of keeping the bracha before the actual mitzvah, even though technically it's not true because she's already lit the candles. So just covering her eyes is not enough to backtrack in time and make it like the bracha is before the lighting. But under the circumstances, it's the best we can do because the concern here seems to be for the bahag's approach. Since the Ramah holds that the woman who lights the Shabbos candles accepts Shabbos as soon as she lights, the same seems to be true of making the bracha. As soon as she says those words that she's lighting the ner shel Shabbos, she's accepting Shabbos on herself through the bracha and she can no longer light. So we have a major problem. How does a woman ever light the Shabbos candles? As soon as she makes the bracha, she's prohibited to light. So the answer has to be that she lights before making the bracha. But at the moment when she lights the candles, she hasn't yet accepted Shabbos. And then she covers her eyes, makes the bracha. And then when she uncovers her eyes, it's a way of preserving the concept of the bracha preceding the mitzvah. So it's the best we can do under these circumstances because making the bracha first is going to torpedo her ability to do the mitzvah at all. So that is what the Ramah records in his comments on the Shulchan Aruch, that that is the proper way for an Ashkenazi woman to light her candles. And that's the common practice, that Ashkenazi women first light the candles, cover their eyes, make the bracha, and then uncover their eyes. Most Sephardi women would probably follow the Shulchan Aruch's view that there's no need to play any games here. This mitzvah is like all others, that first you make the bracha, and then you go ahead and light the Shabbos candles. No need to cover your eyes or to reverse any of the order. Now, the Ramah's plan raises two big issues. The first is what happens on Yantif? Because on Yantif, you are allowed to transfer a flame. So should the woman first light the candles and then cover her eyes and make the bracha like we do on Shabbos? Or would it be better on Yantif, even for Ashkenazi women, to light the flame, but then make the bracha and then transfer by lighting the candles? So that wouldn't be prohibited, even though they've already accepted Yantif. So this is a big debate, which we mentioned in the previous recording, between the wife of the Sefer Adrisha and the Magen Avram. The Drisha's wife held that on Yantif, first the woman should make the bracha and then light the Yantif candles. Whereas the Magen Avram disagreed, even though there's no problem on Yantif, but he's worried about people getting confused between Shabbos and Yantif. And then she might come to accidentally make the bracha before lighting, even on a Friday night. So the Magen Avram said that it's better to keep everything consistent and that Ashkenazi women should always light and then make the bracha. Now, interestingly, a lot of the later poskim seem to agree with the Drisha's wife against the Magen Avram and the Note of Yehuda and the Dagol Meiravava points out that the bracha on Shabbos candles and Yantif candles are different. One is Shal Shabbos, one is Shal Yom Tov. 
So he says they're not going to get confused because they know that they're making different brachas and that's why the procedure is different. And Reb Kiva Eger also agrees with the Drisha's wife because he points out that this whole thing to begin with is only astringency. Really, we don't hold like the Bahag. So it's overkill to say that even on Yantif, women should do this reverse procedure to prevent the mistake on Shabbos, which is itself only astringency. And the Mishabura also seems to side with the Nodeb Yehuda and Reb Kiveger and the Chayadam and the Shari Tshuva and the Drisha's wife against the Magen Avram. Now the second and related issue which comes up is what happens if an Ashkenazi man is lighting the Shabbos candle? So for whatever reason, there's no woman to light and the man is as he's supposed to lighting the Shabbos candles. But as we said, the Ramah differentiates between a man and a woman. That a woman accepts Shabbos by lighting candles, a man does not. So the man lighting Shabbos candles has no reason to reverse the procedure and to first light and then make the bracha because his bracha is not going to accept Shabbos. He's not accepting Shabbos until much later when he davens Mariv. So how should the man light? Should he make the bracha and then light, which is the standard? Or should he also reverse the procedure and light and then make the bracha? So the Mishnah Brewer in the Ber Halacha quotes a debate about this. And it falls out along basically the same lines as the debate between the Drisha's wife and the Magen Avram. The Derech HaChayim holds that a man, even though he's not accepting Shabbos with this lighting, should still light and then make the bracha to keep things consistent because we don't want the women getting confused if men are doing it differently. So all Ashkenazim should follow the same procedure. They should light and then make the bracha, even though for the man it doesn't really make any sense because he's not accepting Shabbos with this. On the other hand, Reb Kiva Eger and the Chaye Adam hold that the man should make the bracha and then light even an Ashkenazi man, because it's different than when a woman lights, he's not accepting Shabbos. So since there's no reason for him to light first before making the bracha, so Ashkenazi men should make the bracha and then light. And again, this is Reb Kiva Eger and the Chaye Adam's old opinion that we don't care if things are inconsistent. We're not focused on creating a uniform process for everyone, like the Magen Avram argues, but rather we follow the individual logic of each case. So those are the two big issues which come up regarding the Ramaz procedure. How does a woman light on Yantif? And in the case of a man who's lighting, what order does he follow? So now, so far we've talked about two practical ramifications of the Bahag's position that lighting Shabbos means accepting Shabbos. One is on Shabbos Hanukkah, which candles do we light first? The Hanukkah candles or the Shabbos candles? And the second one is this issue of whether you make the bracha before lighting or after lighting. Now there's a third issue which follows from this whole debate too. The Shulchan Arach in Sif Yud points out that according to the Bahag, if a woman lights a match and then she uses it to light the Shabbos candles, she cannot blow out that match because it's already Shabbos for her. So what she has to do is drop the match and it just goes out on its own. But you're not allowed to blow out any fire once you've already lit the Shabbos candles. Obviously, according to Tostos and the Ramban, it wouldn't matter. Even after she lights the Shabbos candles, she can just blow out that match because it's not Shabbos for her yet. So this is the third practical ramification of the Baha 
synagogue's position that Shabbos begins at candle lighting. So that's basically where things stand, and that's the presentation of these halachas in the main postkim in the tour, the Beis Yosef, the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah, and the commentators on these halachas. But Reb Kiva Eger noticed a major problem with this whole framework, and his question and the answer to it is going to really help refine what the various opinions about this issue are. So Reb Kiva Eger, as usual, had a penetrating question, and that is that the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles really means to light one candle. There's a very popular custom to light two candles, equivalent to Zachar and Shamor, the two commandments of Shabbos. And then there's all sorts of other customs to light a lot more candles, the equivalent of the people in the family or whatever it is. But the basic halacha is to light one candle. So Reb Kiva Eger asked a very strong question. Once the woman lights that first candle, it should already be Shabbos and she should be prohibited from lighting any more candles. According to the Bahag, as soon as she's done the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles, which is one candle, so then it's already Shabbos and she can't light that second candle or the third or the fourth or the fifth or however many candles she lights. So how does a woman ever light more than one Shabbos candle according to the Bahag? So the answer has to be that even the Bahag agrees that accepting Shabbos doesn't start until the end of the process of lighting Shabbos candles. So the Bahag understands that it's not the beginning of the process which starts Shabbos, but the end. So that's why if a woman is planning on lighting two or five or ten candles, she can light all of them and subsequent to the last candle, Shabbos begins. Not after the first candle. So basically we're forced to say, even according to the Bahag, that lighting candles means accepting Shabbos, the moment Shabbos begins is at the end of the candle lighting, not at the beginning when you're first starting off the candle lights. So if so, we have a major question on the Ramah. He extends the Bahag's position to not only the lighting of the candles, but also the bracha. But it's clear that the bracha should be at the beginning of the process. That's what we said. Ideally, the bracha should be before the lighting. So how could Shabbos begin at the beginning of the candle lighting process when you make the bracha, when we just proved that Shabbos begins at the end of the candle lighting, when she finishes lighting all the candles that she plans to light that day? So this is a very strong question on the Ramah's expansion of the Bahag's view. The Bahag said that lighting Shabbos candles begins Shabbos. The Ramah extended it to include also making the bracha. But Rabbi Kiva Eger is pointing out that that can't be because the Bahag only means that Shabbos begins at the end of the candle lighting. But he doesn't hold that it begins at the beginning of the candle lighting, whereas the Ramah's expansion of this includes the bracha, which is the beginning of the candle lighting process. So there's an answer to this question of Reb Kiva Eger and a number of contemporary Sfarim, and this really helps clarify the respective views of the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah regarding this issue. So they point out that we've been conflating in our discussion so far, as many people do, the views of the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah as if they both agree with the general presentation of these halachas, that really lighting the Shabbos candles is not the same as accepting Shabbos, but 
but there is a stringency of the Bahag that we should try to be careful for as much as possible. And the Ramah goes a step further than the Shulchan Aruch because he adds two stringencies. One is that a woman who lights Shabbos candles should begin Shabbos at that moment. And number two is that even the Bracha is a form of accepting Shabbos candles even before lighting. But the truth is that the Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch actually have subtly different views of this halacha. The Shulchan Aruch is saying how we've been saying it throughout. That the basic halacha is that lighting Shabbos candles is not accepting Shabbos, but one should try to be strict if possible. But the Ramah is actually saying something totally different, which is that he's not that concerned with the Bahag's position, but he is concerned for a related but subtly different position, which is not that the candle lighting begins Shabbos, but the bracha begins Shabbos. So the Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch actually have two different concerns, which only emerges between the lines. The Shulchan Aruch is worried for the Bahag's position, that lighting the Shabbos candles begins Shabbos, but he's not overly worried about it. It's just nice to be strict in cases where it's not going to cause too much trouble. The Ramah, on the other hand, is concerned for something which the Shulchan Aruch is not at all concerned about, which is there's a position that making the bracha, so saying those words, lahadlik ner shal Shabbos, I'm lighting the Shabbos candle, is a form of accepting Shabbos, just like davening the Shabbos mariv is a way of accepting and beginning Shabbos. So the Ramah's idea is actually totally different from the Bahag's. The Bahag focuses on lighting the Shabbos candles because since they honor Shabbos, so that should be the beginning of Shabbos. The Ramah has a totally different idea that making the bracha on the Shabbos candles, which includes a phrase that references the ner shal Shabbos, so as soon as someone says that, it's the equivalent of having daven mariv, which also has language about Shabbos. So just like mariv will begin Shabbos, the bracha of lahadlik ner shal Shabbos also begins Shabbos. So now if we follow the positions of the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, we're going to see that they actually play out in very different ways, even though they seem on the surface to be very similar, but they're actually going to have some major ramifications. According to the Shulchan Aruch, and he says this explicitly in the Beis Yosef, there's no need to light the candles and then make the bracha because the bracha does not begin Shabbos according to the Shulchan Aruch at all. That's why the Shulchan Aruch makes no mention of the Ramah's stringency about lighting before the bracha, even though the Shulchan Aruch tries to be strict for the Bahag. But according to the Bahag, there's no need to push off the bracha. Of course you can make the bracha before you light. Because according to the Bahag, the bracha never begins Shabbos. It's only the lighting which begins Shabbos. And as the Beis Yosef explicitly writes, and Reb Kiva Eger points out also, it's not the first candle which accepts Shabbos, but it's the last candle which accepts Shabbos. So according to the Bahag, there are no concerns at all. As Reb Kiva Eger says, a woman can make the bracha and then light as many candles as she plans to. And then at the end of that last candle, is when Shabbos begins. And this is explicit in the Beis Yosef. He quotes that the Shibale Haleket raised the issue of how can you light after making a bracha, according to the Bahag. And the Beis Yosef says that even according to the Bahag, the bracha doesn't begin Shabbos, and the first candle doesn't begin Shabbos, only the last candle begins Shabbos. 
But that's exactly why the Shulchan Aruch is worried about blowing out the match. Because according to the Bahag, that is a big issue. Because since she lit that last candle, it's now Shabbos. So she can't blow out the match. So the two stringencies that the Shulchan Aruch believes in, according to the Bahag's position, are not lighting the Hanukkah candles after having completed lighting the Shabbos candles and not blowing out the match at the end of the completion of lighting the Shabbos candles. That's the Shulchan Aruch's view. The Ramah, on the other hand, has a subtly different view, which is not that we're concerned about the lighting itself, but rather we're concerned about the bracha, as we explained. So that plays out differently. As we already said, the Ramah holds that a woman who's lighting has to light before making the bracha because once she's made the bracha, she's not going to be able to light. So she has to reverse it. And then there's a technique to cover her eyes to try to create some illusion as if she's making the bracha before enjoying the candles. But the main point is that the lighting of the candles has to be done before making the bracha. So now if we were to ask the Ramah the question that bothered the Beis Yosef and Reb Kiva Eger, how is a woman allowed to light multiple candles, meaning once she lit the first candle, she already accepted Shabbos. So how is she allowed to light the second or more number of candles? So the Ramah would answer very simply, because since she doesn't make the bracha until after she lit, according to his technique, so she can light as many candles as she wants. Shabbos doesn't begin when she lights the candles. It begins at the bracha. And according to the Ramah, first she lights all the candles, and then only after that does she make the bracha, so that's why she's allowed to light as many candles as she wants. So by the same logic, the Ramah is also going to hold that she could blow out the match, because since she finished lighting the candles, and she hasn't made the bracha yet, so there's no need to throw down the match, she can blow it out, and then make the bracha, and that's when she's accepting Shabbos. So the Ramah is only concerned for two things in his position, which are not the same two as the Shulchan Aruch. The Ramah is concerned that you're not allowed to light the candles after making the bracha, and you're not allowed to light the Hanukkah candles after making the bracha. He's not concerned about what she does after lighting the candles before she's made the bracha. So this is a very nuanced reading of the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, and it shows us that they have similar sounding concerns, but actually at the end of the day, they're both focused on a different moment in the process and for different reasons. The Shulchan Aruch's focused on the lighting of the candles, which is the beginning of Shabbos, and more precisely, the lighting of the final candle, because that mitzvah ushers in Shabbos, whereas the Ramah is concerned with the bracha, that's the moment that begins Shabbos because it's the first ritual tefillah that we say it has the language of Shabbos in it. So this is going to play out a bit differently. So one thing that would emerge from this approach is that some women have the practice of lighting the Shabbos candles, then throwing down the match based on what the Shulchan Aruch said, and then making the bracha as the Ramah suggested. So doing both of those approaches is actually needless There's no problem, so we're not criticizing anyone. Just to understand the process better, there's no need to do both of those. According to the Shulchan Aruch, she needs to throw down the match because once she lit, she accepted Shabbos. But the flip side of that is that she can also make the bracha before she lights. 
according to the Ramah, she has to make the bracha after lighting, but there's no need to throw down the match because she hasn't accepted Shabbos until she made the bracha. So this is one contemporary popular approach to answer Reb Kiva Eger's question, and the answer is that we shouldn't conflate the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, but rather if we understand the nuanced positions that each of them is taking, so then we'll better understand what they believe about this halacha and how they're suggesting that we go about lighting the Shabbos candles. And it also answers Reb Kiveger's question, which was based on the idea that if someone holds that lighting the Shabbos candles and making the bracha, either of those is a valid way of accepting Shabbos, so then there would be a contradiction because how could someone then go ahead and light multiple candles? As soon as they light the first candle, it should be over. But as we've suggested, it's possible that Reb Kiveger is asking a question on a straw man position because actually there's no one who holds that both of those, lighting the candles and making the bracha, are both valid ways of accepting Shabbos. The Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch each focus on one of those options, but they don't consider the other a valid way of accepting Shabbat. So in summary, according to this approach, there would be three possibilities as to when someone accepts Shabbos during the candle lighting process. There's the view of the Ramah, that as soon as they make the bracha, they've accepted Shabbos. There's the view of the Bahag, that after they light their last candle, they accepted Shabbos. And then there's the majority of view, which is that lighting candles does not accept Shabbos until Mariv.